G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. I ended up painting the church that I was attending. It was a big church. I remember walking through the car park in my old painting clothes, covered in paint, and two guys in their business suits walked past me and one said to the other so that I could hear it. (laughs) It's a long way from the Little River Band. And that was like a knife into my heart. The The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have part three of our conversation with George McArdle, who was the original bass player for ARIA Hall of Fame rock group, The Little River Band, or LRB. He created signature bass lines for some of their biggest hits and is known as one of the greatest bass guitarists to come out of Australia. As we heard previously, he gave up all the rock and roll fame and fortune after he became a Christian and then went to Bible school. But... As we also heard, some of the troubles from his childhood began to resurface, causing major problems in his life. Now, here's more of George McArdle sharing his story with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. I don't want to go back to when I was young And I don't want to return to what I knew That's the song Portland Street by George McArdle, who used to be the bass player for the Little River Band, or LRB. Welcome back to the program, George McArdle. Yeah, thank you very much, Eric. And that song has a story behind it. Tell us about that. Yes. Um, Well, by this stage, you know, when I became a Christian, I thought God had a really good catch with me, and I was going to be... Oh, oh, wow, you're doing him a favor. (laughs) I'm doing him a real favor. I was going to be Australia's Billy Graham. Mm Mm-hmm. But when I was at Bible college, I didn't have any money. I'd given everything away. Mm. I went literally as far. To so the all other. that fame and fortune, that was all gone? By yeah, that the point? house was gone. Mm. The house in Parkville, that was gone. The Range Rover was gone. Mm. Gave it all away. I wanted to start all over again. And uh, I thought I was going to be Australia's Billy Graham, but I realized with a wife and children, I had to provide for them. Mm-hmm. So I ended up working as a house painter. I ended up doing that for over 20 years. And, Had um, you ever painted houses before? I mean, was this completely new? I, I worked as an offsider for a guy at Bible College. Mm. He was a tradesman, mm-hmm. but he was there to study for the ministry, as was I. But he, he went on to be a missionary in China, and I got stuck painting houses. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, people that go into the ministry, they're well-established in church mm. and solid people. And I was – everybody could see at Bible College that I had issues. I was struggling with – You're talking about yeah, stuff. emotional issues. Yeah, Yeah, and uh, so I just had to do what I had to do to survive. Mm. And I got married, and I had to provide for my family, and I got a job working for a painter as his lackey. Mm. And I went on then to – it's ridiculous, but I I got trade qualified – Almost did an adult apprenticeship. I got trade qualified to do something that I hated. (laughs) (laughs) So you didn't even enjoy it? No. No, I hated painting. But um, I ended up painting the church that I was attending. Mm -hmm. It was a big church. 
I did a lot of work there, and I remember getting back to the song, yeah, Portland Street. Yeah. I remember walking through the car park in my old painting clothes, covered in paint. Mm. You know, nobody cared how tidy or untidy the painter was, as long as of you course, did a good yeah, job. Yeah. So I was probably unshaven and in my pair of Blundstone Kind of grubby. Boots, you know, steel cap boots. And two businessmen who attended that church, it was what my uncle would have called a well-heeled church. Kind of wealthy? Yeah, yeah. Two guys in their business suits walked past me and one said to the other, so that I could hear it, <laughs> it's a long way from the Little River Band. Mm. And that was like a knife into my heart, you know. Mm. And I was very angry. I, I just... But the way I dealt with it was I wrote a song called Portland Street and the, the chorus, mm-hmm. the catchphrase in that song, it's a long, long way from Portland Street. I'm not, I hadn't come a long way from LRB. I'd come a long way from Portland Street. I'd come a long way from being that damaged kid and there's a, there's a line in the song that you would have heard that says, my little sister has gone. She's vanished forever. My little sister, Maureen, she took her own life. Mm. because we were all damaged by what went on there, Mm -hmm. traumatised, you know. So the song is saying it's a long, long way from Portland Street. That was my... That that moment in that car park ended up being the trigger for, to me, it's my favourite song on that CD. So you can laugh if you want to See how the mighty have fallen But it's a long, long way from Portland Street That's the song Portland Street by our guest today, George McArdle, who's sharing his story once again. Now, you mentioned before we played that song mm-hmm. about your sister, mm. that she suicided, is that yeah, right? that's right. And we went to Bible college together. Hmm. She took me to church. She's the one that kind of started your spiritual yeah, growth. Yeah, that's right. We went to Bible college together. I went first. I was two years in front of her, but mm-hmm. I was talking to her about it. I said, you can come. Why don't you enroll? And, and so she used to be a heroin addict? Yeah, that's right. She went back to the heroin. That mm. was after Bible college. She went back to Melbourne and uh, got in with bad company and ended up back on the heroin and mm. never recovered from that. Matter of fact, she felt that God would never forgive her for what she had done. My little sister has gone, she's vanished forever. She used the hammer to kill the pain in her heart. So go ahead if you want to. Laugh at the car that I drive But it's a long, long way from Portland Street So she took her own life and about 12 months after that I ended up in the same place, not taking drugs but I remember swearing at God one night. What happened? I just had an argument with my wife. My wife and I were fighting a lot and... uh, you know, the old saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Mm-hmm. My wife's a stunning-looking woman, and I really, <laughs> I was punching above my weight <laughs> when I married her. You yeah. take away 
the uh, smoke and mirrors image of being in the Little River Band. You've just got a guy that had a bad upbringing mm. and was working as a house painter. Mm. You know, that's all. That's all I was. Mm. And uh, I wasn't a, a mega star, really. The real mm. me was this broken, broken man. Mm. And uh, my dad really struggled with jealousy with my mum, and I found myself falling into the same traps. Mm. Who are you? Why were you talking with that guy for so long? Why were you? Why are you dressed that way? Mm. You know, mm. that's uh, what you'd say to your wife. Yeah, give her a hard time. And I'm, I was sitting up the back of church. One that night. reminds me of uh, that other song from the 70s, When You're in Love with a Beautiful Woman, yeah, Dr. Hook. Uh, you, you watch... Absolutely. Uh, you're, you're, you, yeah. you watch your friends. You watch your friends. That's how it goes, yeah. <laughs> yes. So you were kind of living out that song. I was living out that song. I was living out Abraham's life. Hmm. Abraham yep. had yep. the same problem. Yeah. Married to a beautiful woman, was insecure. He was mm-hmm. getting her to tell lies on his behalf mm-hmm. to save his own skin. And I was giving my wife a hard time. Mm-hmm. And I was in church making my exit plans. And the preacher was a guy called Bernard Johnson from South America, and he said in his accent, do not leave here tonight with that burden when (laughs) Jesus can take it from you. And my burden that I went into church with was, I'm out of here. This just does not work when it matters most. And when he said that, something switched on in my heart. And so when he said, do not leave here with that burden when Jesus can take it from you. He gave an altar call then and mm-hmm. for people to respond mm-hmm. with their burden and to lay it at the altar. And so I went out the front and he put his hand on my head. The same thing happened again, like in my house in Parkville. The power of God hit me. I ended up on the floor and the Lord filled me with the Holy Spirit. Waves, like waves coming in from the ocean on, mm. onto the shore. And crashing on top of me. And with each wave that came, God showed me a picture of my wife in a way that I was struggling with. Mm. Maybe talking with somebody, another guy, mm. maybe something I'd, I was struggling with fashion-wise. Mm. Stuff that was – I mean, she wears, she dresses like that now any way she likes. I'm quite comfortable with it. But back then I, I thought she's making herself look attractive. Mm. Why? You know, I had these thoughts going in my head constantly. Well, but, but that's kind of how an insecure person yes, that's right. would think. If you're secure, it doesn't yeah, bother you. that's right. And, uh, you know, so I'm having all these thoughts and – so the Lord responded by showing me these pictures and then filling me with his love mm. for my wife. It's strange, but that's what in he In a was, healthy way. Yes, in a healthy way. He was showing me how much he loved my mm. wife and that there was nothing wrong. There was nothing wrong with what was happening. It was, it was me and my damaged thinking. She's just attractive. She was. Enjoy. She is. She is. <laughs> yeah. you know. And... Uh, I had to be carried out of church that night. Wow. And the next day, I knew all my arguments had been dealt with to why I should walk out on my marriage. And uh, we celebrated, we're celebrating our 31st wedding anniversary this year. Wow, fantastic. So, and I still, at times, have to just nip things in the bud. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And no, don't say that. Remember what God showed you. Remember what he said to you. And so that has – and my my response to people who have marriage problems, mm. that's all you need to do. 
you need to just allow mm-hmm. the Bible says we're mm-hmm. strengthened by his power in our inner man. It's all in the Bible. And God will come and he will help you with mm-hmm. your struggle mm-hmm. if you'll come to him with it and say, God, I need your help. I just read something recently along the lines of great marriages don't just happen. No, They're a lot right. of work. They're, they are. Mm-hmm. And and I've had to work at that, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, to become the man of God that he wants me to be, not the man that I used to be before I knew him and, and the man that my dad was when I was just following his example. Mm-hmm. I was very aware of it. And I'm never going back that way again. I'm never going back But it's a long, long way from Portland Street. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with George McArdle, who was the bass player with the Little River Band during the peak of their international success in the late 1970s. And, as we've been hearing, life after LRB has not been without its challenges for George. We'll hear the conclusion of his story when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with George McArdle, who was the original bass player with the Little River Band. Before the break, we heard about some of the challenges George faced after being in LRB. Now, here's the conclusion of George sharing his life story. And how did you originally meet your wife? Well, I went to Bible college for three years, mm-hmm. and I went through Bible college with her dad, and she was in the local high school. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was gorgeous at the time, but way too young, you know. Mm-hmm. But years later, we met at a minister's conference in Melbourne, and uh, she, she came with her dad, and she was 21. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, she's well and truly on the market now. <laughs> so I took her out on a date, and we we only went on one date. Can you believe Is it? Is that right? Well, she was living in Adelaide. I was in North Queensland at Ellie Beach. I was the pastor of the church. And I just thought she was gorgeous. And if I thought, well, who, if there was anybody in the world I could marry, who would it be? And I thought it would be her. Mm. So... Well, you know, there's a saying that says uh, women are shoppers, but men are buyers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you decided to, to make your move. I did, and I rang her up and proposed. Mm. Wow. She said, give me a week to think about it. I rang her back a week later, and she said yes. Wow. Neither of us, wow. neither of us believed that we would have the troubles that we had. Mm. But she came up to Early Beach. So I went from being single, pastoring a fairly small church, to being married, and... All those insecurities started surfacing mm. straight away, mm. you know. Now, you mentioned you were a pastor. How did that happen? Well, you go to Bible college to be a pastor. I was, or a missionary or other types of ministry. Yeah, and I was itinerating around the place telling mm-hmm. my story. Yeah, yeah. And I came up to Queensland a lot, and the guy who would invite me up to Queensland said, listen, there's a church in Ellie Beach that they've lost their pastor suddenly, would you fill in, babysit the church for a few months mm-hmm. till they find someone permanently? Well, they never found anybody, so he asked me to stay on. And so I'm there as a single guy, and I rang her up and told her what I was doing, and I said, do you want to get married? I thought, well, I'm, 
I'm on my way now. You know, mm-hmm. I can get married mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So I did, and uh, she was the girl that I had in my heart all those years since college. So I I rang her up crazily mm. and proposed over the phone. Wow. But as you shared, it wasn't without its struggles. No, we straight away. I mean, I'm dodging clocks and wet tea towels in the kitchen oh. where we were living, and it was tough going. I remember walking into church one morning, and we'd been fighting on the Saturday, arguing, and I had prepared a message. So I grabbed a little leaflet, a tract we call them, which is a little Bible scripture and uh, maybe a little devotional lesson mm-hmm. written in these little booklets. I grabbed one and put it in my Bible, and I got up to share my message and was all I had to say. I was speaking from this tract. And I ground, <laughs> I ground to a halt after five or ten minutes, and, and I said, listen, guys, and I just confessed what was going on. And mm. You can do that once with your congregation, but if you get to the point where you're doing it all the time... <laughs> Could be a problem. Yeah. So we thought, I can be a Christian and serve God without being a pastor. So being a pastor just wasn't for you? At that time. Mm. I thought, no, it's more important... We sort these issues out. Mm-hmm. So what did you do? Well, I worked as a house painter. So you went back to being a painter? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did that. I, I had a business for a while. I sold library books to schools. And uh, it was, I uh, had a nervous breakdown while I was doing that job. Mm. It all just got too much. One night I, I swore at God, and it caused me to have a breakdown. I, I couldn't find the forgiveness and peace after that that I needed. And it was because I had such a a high standard of perfection Mm. with God that I I fell apart. Well, you felt you couldn't measure up to what you thought he wanted from you? Is that kind of... Yeah. And I was asking his forgiveness over and over again and couldn't find it. And uh, I fell apart and I was in Coffs Harbour at the time. I rang my father-in-law up and I said will you promise me you'll look after rocks and the kids and he said he was a pastor down there mm. and he said why what do you mean I said I can't I can't do this anymore and my sister had already committed suicide mm. you know and I said I can't do this anymore and he says where are you and I said I'm in Coffs Harbour he got on the next plane flew up to Coffs Harbour mm. And the two of us drove back to Adelaide in my car. I left all my stock from my business in the garage of the motel where I was staying. Mm. And we drove down to Adelaide and uh, I was in hell. I was in this place where I I felt doomed. And, um, I mean, what I said to God was bad. Mm. But, again, it was this high standard that I couldn't keep. And... Um, we went out one day for a drive. He was visiting people from his church. And he, there were no mo- mobile phones in those days. And mm-hmm. he called in a Hungry Jacks. He said, I'm just going in to make a phone call. Can you, do you want to come in? you want to stay here? I said, I'll stay here. And he had a song on the radio. Jeannie C. Riley, I think was the lady. And she sang a, the chorus in her song, No matter how deep the pit, the love of God is deeper still. Mm-hmm. And I'm holding on to this rope over a bottomless pit in my mind. Mm-hmm holding on to my sanity and I just let go and in my mind I'm thinking I'm going to this is it I'm going to fall into this bottomless pit and end up like my sister but I fell into this pool of the love of God Mm. 
and I'm sitting there in the presence of God in my father-in-law's car, and he comes out, you okay? And I said, Harry, it's all over. And it was. Mm. And I went back to, to Brisbane, and, and my life got back to normal over a period of time. Mm-hmm. But again, the Spirit of God just came at the right moment mm-hmm. and rescued me. You know? Now, it sounds like there's this kind of reoccurring trend yeah. of success, earthly success, yeah. but yet the issues in the baggage, emotional baggage from your childhood. Yeah, and, and that the core issue as a Christian was this extreme standard that I had mm. that I could never live up to. And we had a move of the Holy Spirit at our church. So now I'm getting a taste of his glory. Mm-hmm. I would do ridiculous things. I would park. This is in an evening meeting at 9 o'clock at night. Mm. I'd be parked in a, a wheelchair access car park spot at church. Why is that? Well, I wanted to get into the meeting, to get into the presence of God. And, and I, I, so I, dro- I drove up to get as close to the building, which those car sp- spaces were, right near the stairs. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to get there ASAP. <laughs> it wasn't as though the car park was packed. There was only a handful of cars there in this prayer meeting. But, but I was so keen to get in that I just parked in the, the closest possible car space. But halfway through the meeting, I'm thinking, oh, God isn't touching me. That must be why. Mm. I've, I've, I've done something that isn't right. So I would go out and move my car. That's how extreme I was. Wow. Now I can enter in. But it sounds like you felt you had to do something yeah. to earn his favor. Yeah. And it came to a head. I, I, uh, I decided. I got a phone call from a, a very well-known musician in Australia. His name was Brian Cad. I got a phone call from his manager asking me if I'd like to play bass for Brian. And I said yes without really even thinking about it. I was pretty fatigued by mm. this stage, by all of this stuff going mm. on, this perfectionist thing, and. Uh, I'm playing bass with Brian, and this anxiety thing came in like a flood. I was having these anxiety attacks every night on Mm. stage where this thing would just come and oppress me, and I couldn't escape from it. And one day I'm thinking, what if this thing... It seemed to be increasing in intensity and in length. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what if this thing just comes and stays? And one night I woke up with it on me in the middle of the night, come while I was asleep Mm. and uh, I got out of bed and I'm walking around the house in the dark looking for somewhere to hide from it Mm. this is so critical I uh, sat down in the lounge room with my face in my hands crying out to God and I thought this is the end of my life I'm going to jump off a bridge because of this Mm. and my life went before me like a near death experience and I saw myself as, as a child with my dad, and I said to God, well, the reason I'm like this, it's not my fault, it's because of him. Mm. And I just sensed it was like a game of chess with God as the master chess player. And he said, check. I said, well, it's my mum. She was such a, a doting mother. Check. And I said, well, it's my wife. It's her fault, you know, mm. fighting all the blah, blah, blah. Check. Well, it's my teachers at school. It's their fault. Check. I got to the point where I was checkmated. I had nobody else to blame. Mm. And I could see that where I was was my fault. And uh, then a scripture came into my heart. Christ justifies the wicked. And in the dark, I lifted my hands to heaven and I said, Lord, that's me. 
I'm a wicked man. I'm wicked. I qualify. I qualify. That's a window into mm. our salvation. It's not how good you are. Mm. And I said, Lord, I qualify. And then it all lifted. Mm. That's what he wanted to hear me say. I'm a wicked man. I qualify. Christ justifies the wicked. It's in the book of Romans. Mm. Yep. I have those tendencies still, always will. That's why I found painting so hard. I'd be meticulous meticulously driven mm. if you got me to paint your house <laughs> i guarantee you'd get a good job <laughs> well, that's i good. was i was tortured good for your customers not so good for well, you the lines you know how painters cut yeah. it under the corners yeah, yeah. they were dead straight mm. the corners if you had two colors meeting at a corner dead mm. straight mm. the prep was over the top i'd sand those doors so meticulously mm. you know so perfectionism can be a blessing and a curse, is what you're saying. Yeah. If you're a musician, it's a mm. blessing. Mm. You perform to such a high standard. But there can be other things that you do where it's a curse. You know? mm. Well, unfortunately, we're running out of time for this conversation, but how would you kind of wrap things up for someone's listening and you know, wanting to learn from all of your experiences? What would you, Trust you share God with them? With everything. He's, he reigns. That's, mm-hmm. I wrote a song called He Reigns. And he reigns over everything. I got diagnosed with emphysema. It's a terminal illness. And he reigns. I was healed. Mm-hmm. He spoke to me in, in Franklin, in the United States. Mm-hmm. Showed me eternal, what eternal life is. I was so filled with joy. I knew I wouldn't die from it. And I, was, I've had, uh, came back from Australia and had an x-ray and it said lungs clear. No mm-hmm. hyperinflation. I was healed from it, you know. And uh, he reigns over all these things. He reigns over our insecurities and fears. So through it all, through these insecurities, through the emotional baggage from your youth, yeah, you reckon you're in a, a better place these days? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been a Christian now for nearly 45 years. And it's becoming the momentum. And the, it's, it's, the Bible says the, the righteous, the journey or the pathway of the righteous is ever upward ever upward to a an ever brightening day mm-hmm. and it's true you don't have to end up like people who have no hope mm-hmm. or do not have eternal life eternal life is the main message of the scriptures and it really is true mm-hmm. eternal life is different to our natural life it keeps us going keeps sustaining us amen will not perish but have everlasting life whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. Well, George McArdle, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. That's the song Jesus Saves by our guest today, bass player George McArdle, who's been sharing his story with us over the past few days. And what an amazing journey he's been on. As we've heard, it hasn't always been easy and he's gone through several rough periods going all the way back to his childhood. But God has always been faithful and has brought him through much adversity. There's a lot we can learn from his experiences both before and after being in the Little River Band. As we heard, there was a point in his life where he felt he should give up playing his bass guitar, but he realised that even though he was critical of himself and his motives for playing, God wasn't. And the Lord showed him very clearly that he didn't need to stop playing. It reminds me of what the famous Olympic runner Eric Little once said, God made me fast, and when I run, 
I feel his pleasure. And for George McArdle, when he's playing his bass guitar, that's when he feels God's pleasure. Well, thanks for joining us for George's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. In thinking they were doing well, my parents were raising us by pointing out all the stuff we were not doing well. And so you, you don't realise as a parent when you do that how much it affects the self-esteem and, and the confidence of a kid. And I got very affected by it. And so I felt very worthless. I felt that I was a burden and that everyone would be better off without me. Corinne Peregrini is half Italian and half French and was born in the little principality of Monaco on the French Riviera. She came from a loving family, yet as she entered her teen years, she reached the point where she wanted to end her life. What brought her to that point? We'll find out as Corinne shares her story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.